This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as May 13, 2020. Aloha, I'm Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii, and welcome to Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses webinar for May 13, 2020. This is our 12th webinar for the series, and SBA released their new Q&A. I don't know if we got it early morning or last night. Um, with only a day left before that safe harbor deadline tomorrow, we wanted to make sure that we could get um, whatever info we could to you folks today. So thanks for being patient and joining us on super short notice. If this is new for you, we've got a resource folder and an updated memo, um, as well as previous webinar videos on YouTube. Please make sure you review the documents before asking a question, since most of the answers are in those documents. Buddy will be posting info in the chat. Please let me introduce our team for today. We have Jane Sawyer, who's the Hawaii District Director for the SBA and our champion for Hawaii small businesses. Darren Leong is a specialist in employment law from the law office of Darren R. Leong. Stacy Katakura is the CEO of Accumulus, which is an outsourced CFO and accounting firm. Jeff Harris is a specialist in employment law and a senior name partner at the Torkelton Law Firm. Buddy Leong is an analyst here at Brain Gain Hawaii. He handles our communications, backend, and chat box. Coco Leong is our editor at Brain Gain Hawaii. He's in charge of our content, YouTube channel, and podcast. Questions today, we'll take it um, during the webinar to the Q&A module only. If you post it in the chat box, Buddy will ask you to post it in the Q&A. So when you see the questions in the Q&A, please upvote the questions that you think are the most um, important to yourself. And then that's kind of how we go in order toward the latter part of the webinar. Please uh, keep in mind, this is a fully volunteer effort. This team has personally answered hundreds of questions, email threads and hundreds of billable hours have been donated. We felt like we had a vacation yesterday, but I guess not, it's, we're back on today. Uh, legal disclaimer for today, this information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is current as of today, May 13, 2020. We're changing it up today, so we're going to start off with Jeff Harris. We were looking forward to some guidance from Treasury over the last couple of days in advance of the uh, extended May 14th deadline for the decision whether borrowers that, that were concerned about their certification uh, would be would be best best advised to give back the money, and we got we got half a loaf. Early this morning, tre Treasury, SBA and Treasury issued another question and answer that's available on their website. And it's question and answer 46. And it answers the question, how will SBA review borrowers required good faith certification concerning the necessity of their loan request? Let me first point out that we've been expressing concern about two certifications that borrowers signed in order to get their loans. The first was that the loan was necessary to retain or rehire employees and pay them. And the second was 
was the certification about the necessity of their loan request. The SBA Treasury gave a, a glowing pass to each one of you that whose loan amount is under $2 million. They said you acted in good faith. Okay, they said they're going to presume that you acted in good faith. And that they're not going to look behind whether or not it was false that you certified you needed that money. So check off that box. You, you, you need, if you borrowed, borrowed less than $2 million under the PPP program, and you certified that that money was necessary. SBA gives you a pass on the on the good faith certification that it was necessary requirement. On on those of you that have have more than a two million dollar uh, loan amount, the SBA also limited the remedy that's available. They 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 said. When it, when it comes time to review of your loan amount, they, they may still find that you uh, failed on, you really didn't rightfully certify that that loan amount was necessary. But they're going to give you a pass on the money that you already spent. In other words, say, you're, say your loan amount is $2.5 million and you spend a million dollars paying employees and 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 rent and utilities including transportation some of your pre-existing debt interest well what you spent they're not going to ask for that back but you're going to have to pay one percent on that throughout the, the remaining term what they are what they do say in the q a is the money that you haven't spent they're going to promptly ask you to give it back and if you don't give it back the, the they, they may institute administrative proceedings. Noticeably absent from any of this discussion was, was what we were concerned about before, and that's they, they appear to tell those employers have over $2 million loans, we're not going to go after you criminally. Okay, and if you give the money back when we ask for it, the money that you haven't spent yet, uh, everything's going to be fine. You're just going to have to pay one point on the the money that you spent and have no forgiveness over the course of the loan. So, so the, so the certification over the certification question on whether the money was necessary for over 2 million is really just going to be forgiveness uh, un, for, for both over 2 million and under 2 million. We still have hanging out there, the, the certification on that you were going to use the money to hire or rehire employees and pay them. And, and we, we see no SBA guidance on that. Uh, Evan. Actually, I'll step in for Evan. Okay. Um, so, so Jeff, just to make sure that, that um, I'm thinking about it the same way that you are for loans under $2 million, which includes uh, all affiliates. So, um, you would have to take into account the affiliated entities. And if that loan amount is under $2 million, basically SBA just said, we're checking off the box on um, whether the necessary uh, certification was met. Is that right? Agreed. Okay. And then with respect to loans over $2 million for affiliates, um, 
they softened, which is to say that if they find you in violation of the certifications, because all loans over $2 million are still going to be audited, they are not going to essentially refer it for criminal prosecution. So they've softened that position. Is that right? Only if you give the money back. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're going to say, you could, if you spent the money on an allowable use, you can pay that back at a 1% loan. If, and, if, if the money that you didn't spend for allowable uses, we're going to ask you to give it back. And if you give that back, we're not going to come after you, either yeah. administratively or criminally. Which, if, you, which leads, if you don't give the money back that you didn't spend yet, then everything's still there. Which leads uh, 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 to the still open question for businesses over $2 million loans, which is um, that for for those businesses, a lot of them got their PPP fairly early in the process, and they are in week four or three or five right now. They've already expended um, you know, a, a significant sum on payroll that they might not have otherwise carried, but for the PPP loan. Uh, and it's still an open question for them as to, uh, you know, based on the, the existing guidance that we've talked about, that we issued the memo on, that talks about access to adequate sources of liquidity, uh, current business activity, that sort of thing. Um, they're, they're sort of left with what we had before in order to make a decision on on whether to keep expending that money or not. Yes, yes, but there it it's not the decision is not as draconian. Now now if you keep spending the money on allowable uses, you're only gonna owe the one percent interest on that money you spent. The money you don't spend you're going to be given an opportunity to give back. And if you give it back, that's the end of the story. The, 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 the concern before, the concern we had before is you're going to spend all that money and they're going to ask for that back and they're going to prosecute you criminally. And you're going to have a false claims act claim against you. Uh, it, 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 I think, I think we, th this Q and a eliminates all those more draconian remedies and and leaves you with at least on on those people that may have other adequate sources of capital with a, a, a what what they may decide is a, a fairly easy choice. They may still think, hey, for one percent money, it's worth bringing the people back. If if it's if if it's no, or they may decide no. If it's not free money, I don't want the people. But but that's let that's that's a less draconian um, question than, hey, am I going to be prosecuted or I'm, or I'm going to have a False Claims Act uh, claim made against me? Or, or is the SBA going to, and are the SBA and Treasury going to come against me for the money I already spent? Even for the people over $2 million, that this this says to me at least that they can go ahead and keep spending that money on allowable uses uh, to, to rehire and pay employees with, without being particularly concerned 
that they're going that the relief if they were wrong about the certification is is anything more than one percent on that money. Let me let me pose this question, which uh, I'm just sort of thinking of as you're talking. This, again, for businesses over two million dollars loans, uh, tomorrow is technically this deadline that's been set for returning uh, the money um, and having a quote unquote safe harbor. But given the Q and A that that now says we're not going to go after criminally if you end up returning the money. You know, you have a large business that's already ex expended a substantial amount. Um, I mean, is there is there any reason why that business would give the money back tomorrow, as opposed to if they were taking a more conservative approach because they're they're very iffy on whether or not uh, the loan is going to be deemed necessary to meet the certification? Wouldn't they just hold on, basically, you know? not give it back tomorrow, but hold, hold on and maybe not expend it as aggressively on payroll that they, they were doing? What, let, me, let me answer that question with another question. Aren't most people that brought the people back and paying them with the PPP money going to keep doing that if it only means a 1% 1% on the loan. They're, now they're going to have to, they're going to have to pay those, those whole proceeds at the end of the term. So, so there, there is a real cost. They're losing I, I, forgiveness. They're, they're losing forgiveness and, and paying 1% uh, if, if the money was not necessary. I, I, so again, and to, to clarify, we're, we're only talking about businesses with loans or affiliates with loans over 2 million right now. Right. Um, but I think the answer to that to that question is, uh, if they only if the reason why they brought those employees back um, is for the purpose of using PPP the way it was it was rolled out, and to get forgiveness of that of that money, and they would not have otherwise brought that person back and put them on payroll, then they they might, I think they might not, or you know, it's a it's a business decision, but there, there definitely would be a scenario where they would not necessarily just want to pay that person. It, I agree. If the $2 million, in excess of $2 million borrower had a lot of headroom, a lot of capital, and had a line of credit that they'd used for this sort of thing before or other easy access to capital, they, they may well be concerned that they lied when they said that the loan was necessary and, and they, and they may I, well be concerned, but I'm, but, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring this sort of, sort of back in context, which is, and, and, and then we can go to, I think the under 2 million, which is the, the bulk majority of this group. Yeah. Uh, most, most loans that are over $2 million are companies that have uh, access to an accountant or an employment lawyer. Mm -hmm. So uh, given the current state of affairs, I think now is as good a time as ever to consult with your individual lawyer or and or accountant who can look at your individual circumstances and is not just talking in hypotheticals like we are. So someone who can really dig into the specifics for you. Although we disagree on many things, we wholeheartedly agree on that. And they should do it by close of business tomorrow. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's let's bring it back because this was this was a tremendous piece of relief for loans under two million dollars, which I, I think uh, is is quite a few of the participants on this webinar. And I just just as a side comment, I just sort of think it's miraculous that it's pretty much exactly the same number uh, of participants, about five hundred that we normally have, but we sent this out on four hours notice. So thank you guys uh, for jumping on um, on short notice. Um, so in terms of the smaller businesses, then, now that this necessary certification has been alleviated, uh, we're back to the question of forgiveness, aren't we? Um, well, well, Darren, we, we're, we still have the question. And the question is that person that took the loan and is planning not to use it until September. That the, uh, uh, the, the, the certification is the certification that the money was needed to retain people and pay them uh, before June 30th, that, that there's no answer to that concern. The, the, there's nothing in this Q&A 46 that addresses the situation or the money may have been necessary, but we're, it, it was necessary for us landing on our feet in September, October, and November. And, and we still have the concern that somebody that takes the money, puts it in the bank, and doesn't use it till then, is exposed. Yeah. And so on, on that piece, um, and then I'll sort of go to the, the technical forgiveness issues. But yes, on that piece, the specific certification expressly says, uh, and this is a different certification from the you know, necessary to support ongoing operations. It's actually the certification on the application form right under it. And it says, quote, the funds will be used to retain workers and maintain payroll or make mortgage interest payments, lease payments, and utility payments as specified under the Paycheck Protection Program rule. I understand that if funds are knowingly used for unauthorized purposes, the federal government may hold me legally liable, such as for charges of fraud. So there has not been, um, you know, the flurry of Q and A's from SBA and Treasury on on this certification, but it is there and it has not been modified. And certainly, the uh, thrust of this certification is what shows up in qu quite a few of the interim rules, which is uh, the the purposes being to retain workers and maintain payroll. Um, okay. On that note, then if we come back to uh, you know, the question of, hey, I have my loan. Are there more specific guidance that has been issued on the question of forgiveness? Uh, and then Stacy, if you can uh, bring your video up. Um, uh, that, that short answer is no. Um, uh, the the answer that we continue to give is we think it's coming soon. We hope it's coming soon. Um, but we're in the same spot. So um, Stacy, you want to start taking some of these Q and A's that hit some of this stuff. And, and some of these Q and A's are on idle as well. And, and you're probably the best person to, you know, give anecdotal um, discussion about the status of idols. 
Uh, so the first uh, the first question I see at the top of the um, the box is: Are employers re required to retain employees until June thirtieth, even if this is longer than their eight weeks from receiving PPP funds? Um, I and I so the the forgiveness period is the eight weeks. Um, so to be eligible for forgiveness, you need to retain uh, your you need to maintain the FTE account for the eight week period. If um, I don't believe you need to, if there is a gap between the end of your eight week period and June 30th, that's, um, that's an, it's not, it's, it's outside of your forgiveness uh, measurement. So I don't believe you need to retain them until June, June yeah. 30th. The, the reference to June 30th, where, where it's coming from, is in, in two places. One is allowable uses, what you're allowed to use the funds for, whether or not they're forgiven. Um, that's in section 1102 of the statute. Uh, and then the second place, and I think where some of this confusion arises from, is uh, these what, what are referred to as the exceptions or safe harbors to rules four and five in our forgiveness memo, which is the headcount rule and the employee reduction in payroll. And we, we've discussed this a few times. And, and that rule on its face seems to say that if you restore um, headcount levels and pay levels um, by June 30th, then rules four and five don't apply. Um, and setting aside, we, we've talked about that a number of times and why I'm very sort of nervous about that. But it's, it's very clear that that does not say that after your eight weeks is over, that you still have to maintain the same FTE headcount. Your, your headcount requirement ends at the end of that eight weeks. So for example, if your eight weeks ends on June 15th, that's when your requirement to maintain the average monthly full-time equivalent headcount also ends. It does not extend for the next 15 days. Go ahead, Stacey. Next one, utility, utility bill commonly over months, for example, April 22nd through um, May 21st and not clearly uh, counted by months. Okay, so I think this is still the, um, I won't read the whole question, but this is, this still goes to the, the cost incurred and payments made uh, language, um, which has not yet been clarified. I think, I think what we would recommend for the time being until such time that there is further clarification on this is just to maybe take the most conservative read of the, that language and make sure that it's strictly for costs incurred during the eight-week period and that the, um, the payment is also made during that eight-week period. Uh, it's kind of, so the, the, the next question I see is uh, depositing your SUDA um, during the eight-week period. So I, I think that kind of, that answer um, applies to that as well. It's a cost incurred and payment made. Um, so the next question, originally the PPP funds needed to be utilized by June 30th for, for forgiveness. Um, our disbursement date was uh, May 12th, so the eight-week period should end on, uh, on June, uh, sorry, July 7th. Um, so that is also a question that um, that has that's not um, right now. I, we believe that the way that the statute is written right now that you, is that you would need to use this, the funds by June thirtieth because, um, as Jar Darren just mentioned, um, the allowable uses of the PPP funds are through June thirtieth. Um, I I am aware that there has been some legislation or some discussion about extending that. Um, uh, that period, uh, but so uh, to date, it, that hasn't um, that hasn't been passed yet. Yeah, 
I mean, we're hoping for a rule that says, you know, if you get your loan in, say, June, that you can use it for a full eight weeks for forgiveness, um, notwithstanding the kind of problem in, in the way the statute is written. Uh, hopefully that rule will come out. I mean, one uh, contradiction, I guess, in the statute, which makes this, this uh, somewhat ambiguous is that loans uh, under the statute can be made up until June 30th. So it's permissible to make a loan, a uh, PPP loan on June 28th, for example. But if that's the case, you know, and the way the statute appears to be written, you would have two days to use the loan for forgiveness. And that just kind of doesn't, um, you know, it's not practical. So ho hopefully, uh, hopefully a rule will be issued that allows uh, that eight-week period to extend past June 30th, but uh, it just, it, we have not seen that yet. Stacy. So the um, the next question goes to um, spending the 75% uh, of the loan on payroll costs. Um, and I think uh, it, the way that the question is worded, I think you are correct. The 75% of the funds are on, need, need to be spent on payroll costs, not necessarily loan amount. Um, but at least 75% of the, the funds. Uh, so if you aren't able to spend 75% of the loan amount, um, at least 75% of the funds that you do spend need to be paid, uh, spent on payroll costs, uh, meaning that the 25% of non-payroll costs would be reduced ratably um, uh, as well. Yeah, we, we, uh, we agree on this point with, your, with the advisor or whatever, but I should just point out that where this comes from um, is in the third interim, I think it's the third interim rule. And, um, and it, it says, it basically says 75% of funds need to be used for payroll costs. So if you took the, the sentence literally, it would require you to use a full 75% of your loan amount. Like we, we think that's not what it, you know, is intended to mean. And, so we don't take that sentence in the interim final rule um, uh, literally, but um, just know that it, it is there, uh, you know, and it is written that way. Uh, next one, if you, I think this is similar to the first question we, answer, we answered, but I'll just read it again. Um, if you rehire an employee to keep the headcount the same, can we lay them back off after June 30th, um, since that will be the end of the eight-week period? Um, so no, so as we mentioned earlier, the, the eight-week period is the forgiveness period. So um, you don't need to retain the employee beyond the eight-week period. Next, uh, we calculated year-end bonuses in the monthly payroll costs when applying for the PPP loan. Can we pay out bonuses larger than average over the two-month period? Or should the bonuses be uh, within the eight-week period be limited to the amount averaged over 12 months? Um, that you know, they, there's not a whole, not not a lot of guidance as to what um, how allowable the bonuses will be. Um, so I think uh, if you do pay a bonus, I don't know if there. I don't think it's limited to um, the the ratable portion of what you paid in 2000 in your your look back period. Um, but I would just I think we've said in previous webinars we would recommend that you you'd be careful with the way that you document the bonuses that they are um, indeed tied to some kind of a, um, uh, some kind of compensation earned during the eight week period. I don't know if, um, I don't know if you're Darren or Jeff, you wanna yeah. add? 
Yeah, I, I will. And then Jeff probably has, has something to say about it. There, we hope that this um, has, is, is in upcoming rules. We hope this is addressed. There are a few considerations that are in play, but they are just, they're sort of considerations, which is uh, in order to spend a full 75% of PPP funds, um, you probably have to pay a bonus of some sort because if you have 100% payroll of 100% employees in your look back period, it probably only amounts to about 74%. So um, you would need a bonus to get to 75%. On the flip side of that, the uh, purposes of the statute are to maintain payroll, not to increase it. So uh, that would be a sort of countervailing interests and in light of those countervailing interests we hope that there are rules about bonuses coming out very soon jeff judging from the speed in which we're receiving guidance however we we need to be prepared for the possibility that there will be no guidance and we need to be thinking about how we're going to talk about forgiveness to our bankers and because the banker, of course, is going to be the first person that decides on forgiveness. And con consider articulating something that happened during the eight weeks that justified the bonus. They went, they, went to, they went to Long's and they got the isopropyl alcohol and they filled up the hand sanitizer containers because there was no hand sanitizer left. By the way, hand sanitizer is that alcohol with a little bit other stuff. Uh, they 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 went over and above by engaging in in relatively unsafe work, or they came to work and they did functions that weren't part of their job, and so they deserve they they deserve some bonus for the work they did during that eight week period, and be able to explain that to the banker, regardless of any of any guidance that comes out nobody's going to say a bonus like that wasn't justified. Okay. That, yeah, that, that, that sort of bonus is, is, well, they may, but I mean, uh, in, in my opinion, that's the most defensible part sort of bonus. So why wait until they draw the line to come right up to the edge of it, articulate and pay your bonus based on a legitimate business reason that's related to something good that the employees did in the eight week period. And then also explain to them that this, this, this covers, since we paid this now, you're not going to get your end of the year bonus. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think this, it's a good point. And there's two considerations I would say that you should keep in mind. Uh, one is that the banks have the same information available to them on guidance about forgiveness that we do, that you do. So we are looking at the exact same stuff. Um, the treasury website, we refresh it hourly, at least Stacy and I do, and Jeff. <laughs> um, and uh, they, you know, so to the extent that the guidance doesn't answer a question, the bank doesn't have some special answer. The, sec the second is, um, and Jeff had made this point before, um, if you're under $2 million, you're talking about the person who's going to review your forgiveness request is the person who gave you the loan um, or is the bank that gave you the loan. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's another consideration uh, that it's the bank that's reviewing forgiveness, not it, under $2 million. It's, it's not going to be the SBA in the first instance. So um, I think those are, you know, considerations to keep in mind. I was just going to add that, you know, just in other words, don't just pay a bonus and for the sake of using the funds, you should try to justify um, that the bonus was earned. Uh, uh, Stacy, you want to take the next one, which is just, I think it's max forgiveness amount for a sole proprietor, uh, which yeah. you and I got a little tangled on the last time. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's actually two, two questions, two parts of that question. So, um, still confused about forgivable amounts for a sole proprietor that uses a loan to pay himself. Um, is this portion forgivable? And the answer to that question is yes. Um, I think what the, your, your letter from CPB is probably telling you that um, uh, if you, if you have a PPP loan that you got to pay your employees, um, the, the PPP loan proceeds aren't, uh, you can't pay uh, independent contractors or uh, sole proprietors with those funds because those, so those self-employed individuals and independent contractors are able to um, get PPP loans on their own. Um, but the amount that you, can, that you do qualify as a self-employed individual to pay yourself, um, that, that is a forgivable amount. Um, I, so I guess what, the way I would say it, and, and feel free to disagree with me, is the way I read the third uh, interim final rule is that for a sole proprietors, uh, just you know, one person that is, is operating off of net profit, the maximum forgivable amount is going to be 15,000 $15, and change. Yeah, 383. Um, regardless of what your rent costs are, regardless what any other cost, the maximum cap you're going to hit is 15,000. So if you got a loan for 20,833, which is the loan amount that would equate to a hundred thousand, you know, dollar uh, net profit, you're not going to have have full forgiveness of that entire thing. The maximum forgiveness is going to be fifteen thousand and change. Darren, can I we add something on that disagree. point? Please? Some some of you <laughs> may be settling cases with people that are concerned about being laid off or discriminated against and all the money you have available at this point in time is the PPP proceeds. Don't use any more than the 15,382 of that money to settle that case and explain to the employee, consider explaining if it's true that that's all the money you have to settle the case right now. And, and if they want to, if they want to enter a separation agreement right now, uh, that's that's the maximum. And if they don't want it, you don't have any other money, and they can go to the agency and wait two or three years and see if you come back. So so that's that's a discussion that you may want to have with those people that think that they're they're being treated unfairly and are entitled to more than the fifteen thousand. You, you can't use more than that fifteen thousand, or or they would in effect be be paid more than a hundred thousand a year. Yeah. And, and just so uh, for clarification, what Jeff is referring to is that severance payments um, made to uh, employees uh, when, you know, separation payments, that sort of thing, are considered payroll costs uh, under the statute. So we haven't yeah. focused that much on it. Uh, Jeff, I don't want to take this next question, so you can, which is, um, if we don't spend the money by June 30th, 
I added uh, that date to it. Um, do we have two years to pay it back or is it now due immediately? You, you have two years to pay it back, but it's not clear that you'll be able to use it for anything during those two years, either allowable or unallowable. And th 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 there's a question about that. Yeah. Um, and it may, uh, it, it, you may, you may, but we don't know yet. Um, Sean says, I understand it doesn't state TD, uh, Stacy, you want to take this one? I understand it doesn't state that TDI and work comp costs can be used and forgiven. Uh, there's no stipulation that we can't. Is that correct? Um, I, I don't think I agree with that premise, but go ahead, Stacy. Don't, um, I don't. I know it doesn't explicitly explicitly exclude uh, TDI and work comp, but um, it does uh, limit the eligible cost to health insurance. Um, and I, I think Jeff actually has a better explanation of what those well, uh, those coverages cover. Um, if you want, well, to I guess before before Jeff does, I would just say there are no they're 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 not explicitly excluded, but what you should be concerned about is what's explicitly included. Um, and that is, they're not in a category of what's included unless you can kind of fit it into one of the boxes and we don't think it fits into those boxes. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, stated another way, it, it, the statute doesn't include a nice new sailboat either, but I wouldn't go out and buy a nice new <laughs> sailboat. Okay, uh, the, 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 the statute allows, um, health contributions for health benefits and retirement and neither workers comp nor TDI are totally for health benefits. Of course, workers comp has a, a component that is medical benefits and TDI has a, a component that is non-injury benefits, but they both cover broader purposes that, that aren't covered by the statute. So I believe all three of us agree, Stacy, Darren, and I agree that you should not use your PPP funds and consider TDI or work comp premiums or payments an allowable use. Yeah. Um, Jen Marata has a question about, oh, at the, so at the very end of your eight weeks, and this goes to the costs incurred and payments made issue. Um, you know, if your end of your eight weeks is, awkward for your payroll cycle, what should you do? Should you cut a sort of midstream payroll check? Um, I guess the way I would answer this is, we hope the guidance comes out before your end date on June 15th. We think it should, um, and we think it's, it's perhaps likely. <clears throat> um, absent guidance, a safer thing to do would be to cut that check because a uh, very strict reading of costs incurred and payments made would be that the cost is incurred within the eight weeks, which is the, the work was done within the eight weeks and payment was made within the eight weeks. And so you would, you would need to cut that, that check within the eight weeks. Um, Can I address that premise, please? Sure. Another way to handle it is have all your money in a separate account and don't make any payments directly. 
and and transfer those allowable parts into your main business account. And so for that final paycheck, say it's four thousand dollars and only two thousand of it is is within the period of time. Uh, you could you could you could transfer the allowable part in and pay that out of your general account. And then you'd have a, a good accounting without necessarily cutting a separate check. Okay, Stacy, you want to pick it up? Uh, do we need to reduce our payroll costs by the amount of medical premium deducted from our employees? And I believe um, the eligible payroll cost is just the employer's portion of the medical premium. It's not um, so if your if your, um, your your employees are co-paying uh, a portion of the um, of the medical premiums, you uh, you need to take that into consideration. Um, the other, the question that just popped up above that is there absolute guidance on what the definition of a FTE is? And the uh, answer to that um, that we keep on saying is no. We, we're waiting for, for that definition to come out. I think, I think though, at this point for planning purposes, because I know many of you are probably well into your third, maybe fourth or fifth weeks, um, so it's kind of late to do planning, but um, maybe just to take the, you know, I think it looks like, you know, the SBA has um, defined an FTE in, in other uh, cases as well as the ACA um, as a as a 30 hour work week. So for planning purposes, maybe you, you can uh, take that approach for the time being. Um, I mean, I think I, I think we said on, on earlier webinars, um, if you take an hours and headcount approach, then you probably uh, are are good, um, but uh, it, it is true that there is another law out there, the Affordable Care Act, that uses an hours standard at 30 hours. But it was it the Affordable Care Act was referenced in one of the prior guidance guidances. Is that a word that mm -hmm. came out from SBA, but in a totally different context? So they had a they clearly were referencing the law, they had an opportunity to say FTA, FTE is what this other law says it is, and they did it. So um, the, the answer is we still don't know what a uh, full-time equivalent is, and we, we do understand how problematic it is, um, which is why we're, tr we're kind of stretching the limits of trying to provide some practical guidance, but um, it's, it's undefined still. You want to take the next oh, one? <laughs> sure. Uh, we have a PPP loan below two million. My boss has furloughed employees and intends to lay off employees. Does it make sense for the business? Uh, would it make sense to return? I guess return the money by uh, May fourteenth. A portion that's not likely to be forgiven. Um, returning the the money that you're not planning to use um, should cut off the 1% uh, interest that you would otherwise pay on it. So uh, I think that would be the consideration of, of giving back the portion that you know you're not going to use, um, giving it back early or not. But the deadline of May 14th also is, I think, is specific to the certification, um, whether the loan was necessary. So uh, yes. And if you're under two million, which which that example was, they've said you met the certification. So 
um, May 14th is not really a, a meaningful deadline for you anymore. Except, except that if you certified that the money was necessary to retain employees and you didn't retain a portion of employees uh, that the, the unused money covered, then then there still is reason to give the money that you won't use to retain employees back by tomorrow. Um, next question. Looks like it's another cost incurred and payments made question. Um, does incurred and paid in eight week period for utilities mean the bills incurred a deadline within the eight week period? Yeah, I mean, so th this is this is the the question that is probably the top two forgiveness questions, um, which is for things that are incurred outside of the eight week period, but perhaps paid within it, which includes you know paying for utilities that were used a month ago, or paying for wages that were um, for work that was done before the eight week period started, or whether it's uh, retirement or vacation that was accrued before the eight-week period but paid within it but that that all falls under the same unanswered question which is we need a definition for costs incurred and payments made i think you know the definitions that have have come out um for uh things like calculating loan amounts have been fairly practical so it would you know we would hope that we would get a practical definition um that that is looser on saying the the item has to be both absolutely incurred and paid within the eight weeks, but we don't we don't have that guidance yet. Stacy, sure. So I'm still working on hiring back um, employees um, that have and employees have uh, declined coming back. Uh, your eight week window has already started. Do we have to maintain the FTE during all eight weeks, or have the number by the end of the eight weeks? So there was that carve out that stated um, exactly for your situation where you um, you have employees that are declining to come back. Um, there's a carve out that you have until June 30th to bring those um, to bring those employees back or and or uh, replace them. Um, but you know, as we as we've said previously, I think if you if you do take the longer you take to bring the employees back, the harder it's going to be for you to meet the other requirement, the 7525 rule. Um, I, I would I would amend that slightly. So, to the extent that um, an employee refuses to come back, that will not count against the headcount rule. That so that was uh, fairly recent guidance uh, from SBA and Treasury. So, an employee that refuses to come back is not going to count against your mm -hmm. um, headcount. Uh, in terms of the headcount rule itself, it's an average monthly full-time equivalent over the eight-week period. So you're essentially talking about two months. Probably the, the probably what they'll say is the first four weeks is going to be your average he FTE headcount. And then the second four weeks is going to be another average monthly headcount. And you're going to take the average of those two numbers. Um, and that is the that is what your FTE headcount will be. And that needs to be compared against the look back period, which is, as we said before, either the first two months of this year or that February to June, mid-February to mid-June period of last year. And, you know, you need to see whether your headcount, average monthly FTE headcount over the eight weeks 
is you know at or above what the look back period is if if your employee refuses an offer to come back to work you should let the unemployment insurance division know um and which i think is actually required and jeff probably is the best person for this isn't it required because don't you get uh as an employer don't you get a, a weekly kind of questionnaire from unemployment office saying did you offer this person hours and did they refuse uh that, not these days but in the past you have <laughs> and okay <laughs> okay right. and, and so so Right now, if you offer an employee a job, th their job or a job, and they decline to come back for whatever reason, simply send a note to the unemployment insurance division that you offered that employee a job and they decline to come back. I and, and to the extent that you don't, you, you, to a certain extent, you're assisting in the fraudulent obtaining of unemployment benefits i understand that they're um they're working on opening up a portal for employers yeah. to be able to support that as yeah. well yeah uh, stacy do you want to say something about idle sure so i i do i've heard um that a lot of you uh has beginning probably the uh this week and maybe late last week have gotten notifications from the spa that uh you've been approved for a idle loan of, of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. um so there was i think there was rumor we, last week that we talked about that we had heard that they were um going to start to limit the idle loans to one hundred fifty thousand as opposed to the two million dollars that was previously communicated um, we also are aware that there, uh, there was a pretty um, uh, toughly worded letter from, uh, um, from the Senate, from the Senate um, Chuck Schumer to, uh, to the SBA about um, uh, change, kind of reversing that, that guidance. So uh, you might want to just take that into consideration. I'm not sure if, uh, if that's going to be... Um, what's going to happen, what, where that's going to go. Uh, but basically the letter from Chuck Schumer said that um, they didn't, that was not the intent of, um, of the, you know, the idle loans program when, when it was um, initially rolled out. And I can probably make a comment here on that as well. Typically, I think that what we're seeing is that they've just gotten such a high, high volume of applications that they're struggling through. Um, hopefully more funding will become available. I wouldn't say that it's capped right now. You can ask for reconsideration at a future time. Right now they're not accepting those either, but um, they do want to make more funds available so that they can loan more than just 150,000. There may be progressive disbursements uh, coming forward, but we just don't have information on that now. So I wouldn't, um, say an affirmative yes. I wouldn't say that this is an official cap, but they want to get money out uh, to more to more of the small businesses who have applied. So um, keep, keep watching and keep paying attention. Um, and we'll see if we can uh, make sure that we let you know, should um, reconsiderations or requests for requests open up to increase the loan amount, because that typically does happen. Stacy, do you want to take the next two? I think they're up your alley. 
Uh, so the next one, can you pay $100,000 max employees medical on top of the $100,000 salary? And the answer to that is yes. Um, the, the benefits, um, health benefits, uh, retirement benefits are in addition to the, the salary. For employees, not owners, yeah. Yes, so. yes. Uh, next one, if you have a PPP already, can you also apply for EIDL? And yes, uh, you can apply for both. Um, as uh, you might have seen right now, the portal is not open uh, up to anyone other uh, than uh, agricultural businesses, but you can, you can apply for, for both um, as long as they're not used for the, the same purposes. So next question for our hourly employee, can they work 40 hours and still get their vacation days paid on top of that? Um, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I, I, think, I think you are able to use vacation hours, but I don't know if you would be able to double up on, on your base uh, salary um, as well. Yeah, I mean, typically you wouldn't work on a day where, where an employee claims vacation. So I, I would say, avoid that scenario, but, um, but vacation used in the ordinary course uh, would count as a payroll cost. So let me read the next one. If uh, total PPP amount forgivable separate from uh, 10,000, I think that's $10,000 from I guess, idle and then still 75-25 ratio, uh, do we factor in the 10,000 idle before calculating the 75-25 ratio? Uh, so I think what the question to that is, um, is the idle advance of $10,000. Um, so the idle advance should have been reduced from your PPP loan amount. So when you're calculating the 75-25 ratio, it should be just your on your total PPP loan amount. Um, if you receive the idle advance after you receive the PPP loan proceeds, um, your, your maximum that you're eligible for forgiveness is the PPP loan amount. It's not going to be the PPP loan um, plus the idle advance. Uh, let's take one more. Um, I don't actually have the answer to this one, uh, which is, um, does anyone know about uh, the rollout of the city's new small business um, grant program for 30 employees or less. Um, I do not. Um, Jeff, Stacy, I don't think I even heard, heard of it. Just what I read in the paper this morning and it said further details would be forthcoming. <laughs> Brian Luke said it's that. on the city's website. I just got a comment oh. from Brian Luke. Thank you, Brian. He says it's on the city's website. Okay, awesome. Um, I think that will, I think we can wrap it up. Um, uh, I'll, the website is oneoahu, O-N-E-O-A-H-U.com. So feel free to check it out. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm, ah, this, is the, this is the benefit of crowdsourcing. So revenue has to be under 1 million uh, for the city's loan program, and the website is www.oneoahu.org. I'm sorry, so not com. org. Um, so uh, thank you, uh, Jeff, Jane, Stacy, Evan, Buddy, Coco. Um, uh, oh, 
we're getting more information on this. It's someone uh, is saying it's their understanding that it's not a loan, it is a grant. And uh, to all of the thank yous, thank you right back. So we hope there is forgiveness um, guidance <laughs> shortly. We will pray to the forgiveness gods uh, for that. And if it does get issued, we will hold um, Friday's webinar. Uh, if not, and um, if it's all quiet on the home front, we will probably skip and, and come back next week, although we will miss you all dearly. And uh, um, I'll try to get a new house for a background uh, for next time. <clears throat> Uh, until then, thank you guys. Uh, have a great week, and we will see you again soon. Thanks.